when Bob Carruthers came to the University of Rhode Island in 1991, it was, it was described this way. Uh, Rhode Island was in the midst of a major financial fiscal crisis. We all remember that, the uh, credit union crisis. The governor had closed the credit union statewide. State appropriations for higher education were cut. And to offset this, tuition and fees were raised by 28%, followed by a 10% increase the next year. On campus, roofs leaked. There was little opportunity for scholarships to attract top students. And the university had developed a solid reputation as the nation's number one party school. There was a tremendous sense of cynicism among students, faculty, and staff. So, Bob, why'd you go to the University of Rhode Island? It was a challenge. Let's kind of backtrack a moment. So you have a bachelor's degree from Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania and then went to Kent State where you got a master's and a Ph.D. And you, it, it looks like you graduated from Kent State just before the, I'm not going to call it a riot, but the demonstrations. Shootings. Yeah, shootings in which four, four Kent State students were, were killed and nine others were wounded by the Ohio National Guard in what erupted into a, it became a nationwide uh, strike on campuses, I guess, and, and maybe changed the course of history. But you were not there then. You had graduated. You weren't on campus then, but did, what impact did that have on you at the time? Well, it, it had a lot of impact. Uh, one of the women, students who were killed, Allison Cross, was one of my freshman English students. And um, so I felt that in a very personal way. And I was also pretty angry about the whole situation. So it's funny. We were a group of us were, <laughs> I remember this uh, being in a, a-frame condo on the lake and we were saying we could get a column together and go to Kent State and support the students. Luckily, we didn't get to get ourselves together to go and that one of the one of the things I, I think I was very lucky not to have followed my heart. Certainly had an impact uh, on the nation as well. From, yeah. from there you went on to uh, University of Akron, I guess, where you, you received a JD degree but never followed law. Yeah, I no, I didn't go back there right away to to Akron. I was I was back at Edinburgh, and I, at that time I was the dean of arts and sciences at Edinburgh, and I I saw that collective bargaining was coming to uh, Pennsylvania and a lot of other colleges and universities. So I went back to try to bone up on labor law. It, it was a good choice. I was trying to write a novel, Frank, and the novel wasn't going anywhere. And so I said to myself, if this novel doesn't go anywhere by the first of the year, I'm going to do something completely different. And I decided I would go to law school. And uh, it was a good decision. Um, and then you, you from, from there, where, uh, where did you go? I went, I went back to, uh, I was in Edinburgh for, uh, until 1982, and in 82, I took the job as president of Southwest State University in Minnesota. I was there for four years, and then uh, I went up to St. Paul to be the chancellor of the Minnesota State University system. I was there six years, and from that, I then came to the Rhode Island. Was how I describe the conditions in Rhode Island when, uh, when you arrived, is that accurate? Yeah, it, it, it is accurate, and... When I came out of Minnesota, which is uh, noted for being nice, it came to Rhode Island and entered this complex political, ethnic uh, culture. And uh, there were some uh, shocks to my system coming into that. 
And I had to learn the, the Rhode Island way, the you got to know a guy way. That took some adjustment. Tell me a little bit about the progress in uh, how you were able to turn things around at the University of Rhode Island over the years, 18 years as president yeah. of the university and a, um, I think an incredibly distinguished career and certainly made your mark on, on the campus and on, on thousands of students who came through there and also on the state of Rhode Island because by, by developing and improving our state university, obviously, uh, was a huge plus for the state of Rhode Island. Yeah, uh, I wanted to make URI uh, not a place where people were embarrassed to have come to, into something that people would be proud to. And I used to say that when the alumni started hanging their diploma back on the wall, I knew we had uh, made some progress in that. So there was this political culture, and I got the job on on a mandate, an eight to seven vote by the Board of Governors. So the campus had physically had deteriorated a lot. There was a lot of, of leaks and buildings that hadn't been uh, taken care of for quite a long time. This uh, drink, drinking culture had, you know, poisoned the reputation of, of the of the place in ninety in ninety. One and 92, we were the top party school in the nation. And that's a reputation that I didn't want to live with. So I started uh, to make changes on the, on the alcohol front. And I ended up being part of a national uh, movement in college binge drinking. And uh, that commission uh, sent out a set, put out a set of recommendations uh, of how to deal with that culture. And at URI, it was a big, big change because of the role that fraternities and others played in that, the down the line stuff and so forth. So we put an absolute ban on alcohol on the campus, which included the president's house. And, uh, that was, that was a big, a big change. Now that has gone back a little bit the other way in the last 10 or 12 years. But um, I think we changed that. And while things might be a little wild and Narragansett, sometimes they're not any worse than they ever were. And they're a little, a lot better on the campus. When you look back at where the university is today um, versus when, when you found it and what you see for its future, um, what's your perspective? Well, the new president, Mark Prolonge, uh, is a guy that I like a lot. And I think that he brings uh, not only a research background that will make the people out on the Bay Campus happy, but he also is a down-to-earth kind of person. You know, he goes for a run in the morning, so it takes a group of students with him on the runs and all all those little things. My When I came there, the campus was so littered that I went out every morning and picked up litter in a in a public way so that people could uh, focus on that question. And, and if the president was out there picking up litter at 7.30 in the morning, other people could pick it up too. Those are symbolic acts that a president can take uh, that can change the course of an institution. You don't get it by putting up signs and blurring out mottos. You get it by actually being out there and being seen. I cultivated all the people who worked on in maintenance and in lands and grounds and so forth. 
because those people can change the appearance of the campus and the culture of the campus as well. Those were two of the big problems we had to face. And at that point, we had a board who were gubernatorial appointees, and there were no URI alums on that board. And over a period of time, we got a, a, a group of alumni on the board of governors. And then finally, two years ago, three years ago, maybe now, URI got its own board. And that that was something I wanted to have from the beginning, someplace that a board that really cared about the university, not about how much money we were spending, but providing quality education to what I used to call the extraordinary, ordinary people of Rhode Island. The board was over all of higher education in yes. Rhode Island? And now, um, is is there still that, that board, but there's a separate board for URI, or is or there separate boards for um, all of the institutions? No, uh, URI is the only one that got cut out of that. So the Board of Governors still is the governing body for CCRI and Rhode Island College in, in the broadest sense, in the sense that they're responsible for all of higher education, public and private. Uh, they still have uh, an oversight role, but the day-to-day operation of the university is not in their purview. When um, when you got to campus and when you started to try and change the culture, um, I'm presuming you got some pushback from uh, <laughs> from different areas. I don't know whether it's the students, faculty, or or governance in Rhode Island. Did you feel that, and how did you get through that? Yeah, there was a lot of pushback in ways that you wouldn't think about. For example, the police department got extra shifts if they were at security on some of these frat parties, and so. <laughs> The the police opposed the drinking rules on the campus because they got details out of that, and that was reducing their personal income. You think they would be on your side in this thing, but they weren't. And uh, then you had students who really liked the drinking culture, and who thought I was destroying the university. I remember a story in the journal about how I was ruining URI by changing, making a lot of changes, but changing the drinking culture. And they supported, I got a lot of support on redoing the buildings. We did 43 buildings, uh, either new buildings or complete remakes of old buildings during my tenure there. And then since then, we've built three or four more big science buildings that have really changed the, the, the campus. Um, what's your involvement with the, with the school now? You're, I guess your title is uh, uh, President Emeritus? Yes, it is. Whatever that means, Frank. Yeah, I was going to ask you what it meant. I, I see people got that Emeritus <laughs> title. I don't know whether it comes with a, uh, with a big salary or just a nice little plaque that says that. So. Yeah, that's just a little plaque, and, and I don't even have a parking pass anymore. So, <laughs> Well, one of the things that you had been an advocate of was uh, for people who may have had difficult paths and to try to get them into the educational system. Um, I know that you, you did that at URI, and I believe that was with, with former inmates, if I'm correct. And now you're, you're the executive vice president of College Unbound. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, College Unbound is one of the spinoffs from Big Picture Learning, which is an organization that started in Providence to change high schools. 
And now uh, Big Picture Learning that, that runs the Met School on Public Street in, in Providence, South Providence. And But they also have 170 other schools around the country and around the world that operate on the, the principles that uh, form Big Picture Company. College Unbound became a college that was intended to provide opportunities for people who dropped out, stopped out, flunked out, whatever, of uh, college in the past. And and those are all uh, basically adult learners. So in Rhode Island, there's 141,000 people who started college and never finished. And nationwide, there's 27 million people who started college and never finished. And a lot of reasons why that happened but a lot of reason was that the way in which education was offered to working people and parents and so forth didn't work for them. They, they couldn't do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 o'clock class. So College Unbound redesigned the college experience for adults and particularly for people who've been uh, cut out of the process, minorities and other uh, uh, groups of people. So today, College Unbound is 80% women. It's about 70% people of color. We have 40 students in the ACI. And we've got, we just opened a new uh, campus in Philadelphia and, and one in Chicago. And now we're going into Camden in the second semester. But College Unbound doesn't measure seat time. It measures learning. And the learning comes from all kinds of sources. Every College Unbound student has a project, a big project, that carries them through from the beginning of coming to, your, of, to College Unbound to the end. And they go in cohorts. So they're with the same cohort from beginning to end. And they have the same what we call lab faculty, which are kind of advisors, but also um, have more responsibility for instruction as well. And then we have a... a subject matter faculty who are largely faculty members who teach at other institutions and moonlight, if you will, for College Unbound. College Unbound uh, started as a kind of experiment, but now is well established as the 13th college in Rhode Island. One of the reasons that I came over there to, uh, to work was to get them through the accreditation process. There were the first new college accredited in, in New England for the last 26 years. And having been through at least a thousand accreditation visits, I um, joined them as a member of the board and became the chairman of the board. And then when we got into the heat of accreditation, I moved over onto the administration. Uh, you've been there for how many years now? I guess eight years now. I think in either an email or, or, or a conversation, you mentioned that you are contemplating retirement yet again. <laughs> yes, I think. Well, Dennis Lipke, who's been the charismatic leader of this whole movement, uh, is going to retire. And uh, I think I will probably go with him and uh, let the new president uh, put his own mark on the place and without mine. Bob Wigan was there for a long for about five years, too, as a finance VP. I brought him from from uh, URI up to College Unbound, and a couple other URI people went up there to help. What's next? Well, um, I don't know. I have a community garden that I work in every year, and I also uh, live on a lake that has a lot of fish in it. 
So I'll do some fishing and spend a little more time with my grandkids. So that's sort of the plan. And if something comes up that uh, where I can make a contribution, I'll I'll do that too. I, I won't be a greeter at Walmart though. <laughs> Good. That's a wise decision, I think. Um, <laughs> tell me about your poetry. You know, over the years you have you have. Uh, in fact, your your email is actually one of your poems, correct? Yes, it is. That poem I wrote a long time ago, and um, it it uh, won a prize out in Ohio. And so I uh, kept that moniker through four different jobs, I guess, because it sort of tells. If you read the poem, it tells you a lot about who I am and what what the world is like. Um, have you been Have you been writing poetry of of late? Not a lot, but yes. Uh, as you know, I I write a uh, holiday poem every year, and some years is they're bright and happy, and mo- many years they're dark. And as you know, I went through a dark period of time at URI when the Board of Governors was trying to convince me to move on somewhere else. So it was an epic battle that went on, and the people of Rhode Island, the students, the alums, uh, some media people, Marianne Sorrentino, Steve Cass, people uh, did broadcasts at URI on that subject, and and the Urban League came to the board offices and and, uh, made them go through and, and shouting shame, shame, shame. And so it was a it, that was a tough period, and I remember that period. I was editor of the Business News at the time. Yeah, and we too were were very supportive of of you, and uh, and were appalled at what was going on. Yeah, it, it was it was hard, and and what I didn't think I was going to win, and so I had applied for another presidency. And the night that the board finally voted to give me the contract, I, the next day I was supposed to go there to be my, my final interview. And I had to call the, the board of that university the, that night and say, I'm not coming. Because after all these people stood up for me, I, I wasn't going to leave. It was an interesting time because it, it not only did it uh, show the underbelly of the board, I think, but um, but also the, the amount of people who came out in support of you had to be obviously was was encouraging and heartwarming to see the impact that you had on on Rhode Island as a whole. Yeah, I, I it was a time you know I, I said in the beginning here one of the things I wanted to do was to make URI a place that Rhode Islanders were proud of, and uh, I think my troubles gave brought people out to support university as much as me, and that. Um, commitment to it has has continued and i've been grateful for the people who followed after me if i've they continued to work on that on that reservoir of goodwill bob as you reflect upon your your career at uri and at college unbound what are the two or three things that stand out for you as uh, what you feel are your greatest accomplishments well the most visible thing was rebuilding the campus and making the physical facility something that people could be proud of and that the students could be proud of. The second thing, I suppose, was uh, changing the reputation of the school. The two things that did that, one was the alcohol culture issue, and the other one was uh, the scholarship, the Centennial Scholarship Program, which uh, gave scholarships to some of the brightest 
people who could become students at URI. We raised the SAT scores uh, substantially during that period of time. And also then the introduction of more uh, people of color onto the campus, both the faculty and the students. And uh, as you may remember, Frank, in 1992, a group of black students took over a building there, Taft Hall, and that was another adventure. And uh, that group had just had a reunion, a 30-year reunion. And about 40 of those students who were in the building, who are now middle-aged, came back to URI and, and relived those moments. And and, uh, and at the last football game, the president had them out there on the midfield, just giving them another uh, uh, congratulations for having played a major role in changing the culture of the university. And they did. Your impact on individuals who might not have had a pathway to to a college degree over time. Yeah, I, I presume you you look at that among your among your greatest accomplishments. Yeah, I I won't take the credit for that, but uh, Dennis Litke and Adam Bush, the guy who's going to come in as the new president in July, they've been there from the beginning, and my role. I, I joke about it, but they got me in there for Gravitas and uh, Bob Wagan to make the books work straight. And so that 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 has done the college itself has done a great a great service to a lot of people. I mean, our students are women who are living in their car with two kids and uh, people who have been evicted and people who are in prison and so forth. That's that's the group of people that we aimed uh, at and are working with. This This uh, last May, we had a graduation ceremony on the quad there at the, the med school on Public Street. And we had, I think, 29 graduates from that group and one story we let all the graduates tell their story. We probably won't be able to do this as we get larger and larger, but right now they get to give their own little speech about their time before and after college unbound. So that that's, it, we do a lot of little things that make people, we, we bring their families up on the stage at graduation. Uh, they thank their parents, their kids, everybody who's been a part of this. So it's, it, it is a place with a lot of heart. Um, you have, over the course of over the course of your career, touched um, thousands of people in a very, very positive way. I want you to take a moment and think about the future and what you have learned, and where you think higher education is going. It's so expensive today, and whether the four-year degree or or advanced degrees are as and I don't I don't want to I want to I'm going to use the word as important. But there are alternatives that that students can now follow that might be uh, that might be as fulfilling. Um, I'll give you a good example of something we're doing yet. We have a program called TA to BA, and that takes teachers' assistants in the city of Providence. That's about eighty percent people of color that are in those teacher assistants, making twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year. We get them through to a bachelor's degree and uh, certified as teachers, and they instantly bump from 25,000 to 55,000 uh, as classroom teachers. In the elementary schools, we haven't taken on a high school group yet. We're working with elementary and special education. 
But now that program in Philadelphia, for example, uh, is half of the students that are enrolled there. And in, it, in Rhode Island, it's about a third of the students because so many, we need people of color in the classroom. This is a way to do it. There are other ways to do it. But the teachers in specific, I think a number of colleges in Rhode Island have stepped up on this uh, shortage of teachers. We we were there first. Projections I think I've seen is as many as 40 some odd percent of teachers will be leaving the profession um, at the end of this year. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's certainly frightening. It is. It is frightening. And we need teachers and we need people who uh, support those teachers. And we don't let go of people once they graduate. We have a pretty strong alumni group. It's not, it's not large, but they're passionate about their experience because by and large, College Unbound turned their life around. Their emotional attachment to College Unbound is pretty powerful. And we continue to work with uh, the Equity Institute in Providence has gotten money from Rhode Island Foundation to take on this problem of uh, minority teachers, and we work in partnership with them. They find the people, and we educate the people and, and get them certified. Any reflections now on, on your career, uh, how you just generally feel about what your contributions have been? I feel pretty good about I've never lacked for self-confidence, and uh, I feel pretty good about where we've come, and I think the future of higher education, as you indicated, is is changing. And as uh, I'm not sure that's a good thing, but at least it's a, a change and may get more people into the workforce and therefore strengthen their families and their communities. So that's all a good thing. But I want to just say that uh, over my time, and I didn't go to URI, I went to a small school in New Jersey, but but what, what I saw over the years, and uh, particularly during those difficult years, you transformed a university in Rhode Island. You affected not only the thousands of students who came through that college and the, and the students who go through this unbelievable program at College Unbound, but, but what you have meant to the state of Rhode Island, I think, has just been enormous. Uh, being able to, to change that university into something to be, to be proud of, graduates to be proud of, number of people who have gone on to um, incredible places, incredible professions, yeah. and who are attracted there. Much of that is, uh, is a result of the, the culture that you developed in, uh, in, in both those places. And as a Rhode Islander, just wanted to say thanks. We added them up one time, and, and I signed 46,000 diplomas wow. of people coming from the college. 